Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And good evening. My name is Howie Silbiger. This is the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy to be here. So pleased you could join us on this Super Bowl Sunday. We, uh, we always do a show on Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm always joking with, um, with everyone who's on the show with me. And, you know, over the years, it's been different people. Uh, I'm always joking that, uh, that we're basically talking to ourselves, which is kind of fun. Uh, you know, you, you sit in a room. When you do radio, you sit in a room and talk to yourself anyway. So it's, it's always fun to sit around and talk to ourselves. Uh, today's show is going to be a little different than, uh, than, than normal shows. Uh, the reason it's going to be different is because we are living in a different environment, a different radio environment than we did in previous weeks. Uh, just as last week, Bell Media, who owns pretty much everything when it comes to radio, commercial radio in Montreal, uh, decided that English radio in Quebec uh, wasn't important. So they cut 90% of the staff of their English radio station. They cut out all evening programming. They cut out uh, part of the weekend programming. They cut out their newsroom. They destroyed their newsroom. Uh, a newsroom from a radio station that's been around for 75 years and was always one of the top newsrooms in the city. Uh, Bell Media decided that that wasn't important anymore and that the English community in Montreal and in Quebec weren't important anymore. They, they're, they're trying to save money, and I understand that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to consolidate everything. And so they tasked their TV station with providing news on the radio, rebranding the news on the radio under the TV station name. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's terrible. I think it's horrific. And I decided to step forward and do something about it. And so uh, I set up a GoFundMe uh, to fund a new co-op radio station, a new project that will bring talented radio people from across the city and across the province into one place where they won't have to worry about corporate overlords telling them what they have to do. They won't have to worry about uh, profit margins. They could just worry about creating good radio and decent radio for people to listen to. Uh, now, of course, of course, the radio station will be, um, will, will be looking to make money uh, we want to pay talent. We don't expect talent to work for free. Nobody expects talent to work for free. So talent has to be paid. So money has to be earned. But everybody's going to be asked to buy into the station and become part owners. And by creating a co-op like that, we are all committed to, to, to producing the best radio we could possibly produce in English for the English Montreal community. It's enough of these corporate giants buying these radio stations, ripping them apart, firing very talented and dedicated people. People who worked at the station 23, 24, 25 years, spent their entire careers at the station, just thrown out like garbage. It's unacceptable. It's really unacceptable. Now, I've been reading a lot of postings from different people who, uh, who were fired this past week from CJD 800 Montreal. Uh, in fact, John Paul, who hosted the mid-evening show, uh, released a podcast where he explained how he was fired. 
It was in a 90-second conference call, which ended with the person saying, all right, this call's over. Goodbye. 90-second conference call. He had been hosting this, 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 night, this nightly show for seven years. I worked at CJD for 11 years. I got fired by email. I got an email telling me, your services are no longer needed. Don't even bother returning your key card. Just cut it up. We're going to deactivate it. Not even the courtesy of a phone call. Now, I don't spend much time on the show talking about myself. I don't think I'm that interesting that I could spend a lot of time talking about myself. And so I don't. And longtime listeners of the show know that I, I hardly ever talk about myself because I think that talking about the issues and talking about the stories are much more important than talking about myself. But for Bell to do this, just days after they had their Let's Talk campaign, which talks about mental health, in the middle of a pandemic where it is doubtful that any of the people that they fired will be able to find a job, at least for the next year, is absolutely disgraceful. Shame on them. I urge you, and I implore you, to, to f- help fund this new radio co-op. I, it's not for me to make money. I'm not, I'm not interested in making money with this. I'm interested in turning True Talk Radio, which has been around since the beginning of streaming on the internet. We were one of the first internet radio stations in, in history. We're still around. I funded this my entire life, my entire adult life, I funded True Talk Radio. Uh, I urge you to, to, to join us in creating a radio, uh, a radio co-op, which will allow artists radio artists, because that's what they are, talented radio artists, to ply their trade, to produce radio the way radio is supposed to be produced. Now, if you don't think I'm sincere, I I really am, but if you don't think I'm sincere, uh, take my word for it, I I am sincere. I am not looking to make a penny on this. If I produce a show, I expect to get paid the same way everyone else will get paid, but I don't expect to take any more money than anybody else takes out of this uh, project even though True Talk Radio belongs to me. I don't want it to belong to me. I'm going to sell, I'm going to, I'm not even going to sell it. I'm going to give it to this co-op and allow the co-op to run it because that's how disturbed I am by what Bell Media has done. That's how upset I am about what Bell Media has done. And it didn't only happen to me. 11 years at Bell Media, 11 years at, well, you know, Standard and Astro and Bell, and fired by email. John Poles there for seven years, fired in a 90-second conference call. My friend Sheldon Eric Fried, who will be joining me in just a few minutes, fired after, tw- after over a quarter of a decade, a uh, quarter of a decade, sorry, a quarter of a century working at that station. It's unacceptable. And nobody, no, nobody's saying that private enterprise has to keep staff on for 25 years, 30 years. Nobody's making that argument. The only argument I'm making is that you, you shouldn't be cutting the majority of programming on the only English radio station in Quebec. The only English commercial radio station in Quebec. You shouldn't be cutting people a year before they get their pensions. You shouldn't be cutting shows 
that you've been airing for 25 years, 22, 23, 25 years, you shouldn't be cutting shows that, you air, that you've been airing for this many years without giving the hosts the opportunity to say goodbye to their audience. If you're going to cut a long-running show, at least give the host the opportunity to say goodbye to their audience. Now, I could personally tell you how it feels to be cut after, de- after decades of working and then just being thrown out like garbage. When I started the uh, Howie Silberger show on Radio Shalom, 1650 AM, uh, I, I, I hosted that show for 16 years. 16 years. We were a daily show. We were a weekly show. We were, uh, um, we were three days a week. We were five days a week. We, we were on all the time. I put tons and tons of efforts, and I didn't get paid for a, for a second of it. And then they dumped me like a piece of garbage. After 16 years, not even giving me the opportunity to say goodbye to my audience, not even giving me the opportunity for me to tell my audience, hey, we're moving the show online. Why don't you join us online? Just one day, I walked in. I did my show. At the end of my show, the manager came up to me and said to me, hey, listen, that's it. You're done. Just like that. It's unacceptable. Professionals, people who work in radio, people who are professional radio people, people who dedicate their lives doing this job, should not be treated like garbage. Joining me now is Sheldon Eric Freed. He's my uh, my longtime producer on this show, and uh, and and he's been he's been quite a, quite an on air contributor here on the Howie Silberger show. And I appreciate you joining me, Sheldon. I know it's a tough top, a topic to talk about for you. Hey, Howie, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, not too bad. Well, it's tough on all of us. I mean, um, I'm like you. Uh, have been doing a lot of passionate radio for many, many years. And I've worked with the best people. I've worked with the late George Balkan and Gord Sinclair. And I've worked with Tommy. I've worked with uh, so many different people. And yes, uh, when Bell Media took over July of 2013, uh, I was one of the first round of cuts uh, for Bell. And um, I was really shocked. I remember that day like as if it happened to me today. And I was shocked. I never thought because I was an, I was not an announcer, even though sometimes I would go on the air either here or there, but I didn't have a show. I didn't have my own personal show. And I didn't think I was going to be one of the ones that was going to be let go. Now I wasn't tooting my own horn. I do not have any, I did not have an ego then. And I do not have an ego uh, now. And I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking at all this, and the and the the again, you, like you and I've said, I think off the air that they must have had about 15, 16, 17 different string of cuts. Yeah, I was in the every, first. I was in the first round of cuts for Bell after they took over from Astro. And I think that it, it's it's not finished. I don't believe it's going to be finished. Uh, not by a long stretch. I, I'm agreeing what you said to me that eventually CJD is uh, going to be a mere carrier of television shows or a national syndicated uh, national syndicated show from one major studio, maybe here in Montreal or Toronto. So they're going to get rid of a lot of staff. Further cuts probably uh, will be one or two major production people for imaging, and the other production people will probably be let go. I really hope I'm wrong. Me too. It's it's bad enough that already the newsroom, who you and I would have never thought, never mind the operations team, 
would have never thought we'd be turfed out or they would be turfed out. And people in the newsroom that got let go were 28 years. And I remember one of the cutbacks when I was let go, another couple of newscasters were let go. They had about 30 some odd years of, uh, of broadcast experience. So obviously it, uh, and CJD, and the thing is with CJD, when you're talking about a market in Montreal, Howie, CJD could write its own ticket because they really don't have any major competition. It wasn't like years ago when CJD, which was a powerhouse radio station then, that was also facing a powerhouse radio station called CFCF Radio 600. And they had a very respectable, they had a very hard-hitting news talk format. They were really good. They had some great hosts. And them and CJD were doing really good competition. But this was a city also that had two major newspapers, the Montreal Star, Montreal Gazette. Now the the, the shrinkage of the Montreal English language bra- uh, broadcasting uh, landscape has been severely shrunk. And when Bell took over, we, see, we were in the standard radio days at CJD. Then Astro, which was a big conglomerate, then, then bought over standard radio. And Astro took a long time before they got rid of people. And then from a bigger fish to swallow a smaller fish being astral swallowing up standard radio, even a bigger fish swallowed a big fish. And that was bell swallowing up astral and bell has tried a few times to acquire astral or acquire standard, but, uh, but on those uh, occasions, the CRTC ruled against them because they were uh, scared of exactly what's happening now an erosion in the competitive broadcasting marketplace. And that's exactly what's happening. Well, it's not right even now. erosion. It's an elimination. There is no more. It's an elimination. So this is one of the reasons yeah. why the CRTC was against the acquisition of Bell for the other stations. I don't know what made the CRTC this time decided, and I guess we'll never know, decided uh, that they, they got the green light in acquiring Astral. And the thing was, um, uh, Bell was supposed to get rid of one of the radio stations. And, one of the radio stations was of interest of a possible a new media franchise called TTP Media, who expressed an interest in acquiring CJD because they've already had the wiring and equipment in place and personnel in place, and they would acquire CJD. Well, that didn't happen, and Bell was allowed to keep five radio stations, meaning Shome, Mix or Virgin, CJD, TSN, and... Uh, and I'm trying to think what the what the other station anyway, but uh, so they so they kept those radio stations, they kept those radio stations. That's Rouge in French, no? Yeah, yeah, Rouge in French, and I and yeah, exactly. So I think they I think they had like seven or eight radio stations on Papineau. So I remember the day that Bell took over Astro, and at that time there was not it was that that time in June. And I remember literally it was like walking in from a very pleasant workplace. The next day was like walking into a funeral home. Could have heard a pin drop in a usual very busy and a, a very busy chaotic public affairs area of a news talk radio station where people gather the material, they meet with announcers and everything like that. And I remember that day. And then I remember the day I was let go. And I, I just remembered the the amount of people I said goodbye to, and it was and it was just a very, very tough. Day now, I wasn't fired by email like you were, unfortunately, which I always believed that was wrong. Yeah. I didn't receive a phone call. I was asked to come into an office, and I was at a boardroom. And the HR person and uh, the career transition person was there, and 
they were giving me my my package that I've accumulated. I've been there for 25 years. I remember my ex-boss, Steve Couch, I once had supper with him in Toronto at Baton Rouge. And I remember he said to me, he says, you know what, Sheldon, in this business, it's not if you are let go, it's a matter of when. Yeah. And if you're there for 25 years, you have to, you had to be doing something right. Now he gave me my 20th year certificate. And this, after he gave me, I was the last person he gave the 20 year certificate to. And then he just walked out of the party and, and was never seen again. Yeah. They and turfed so, him too. Like, yeah. They, they turfed him too, but the way he just walked out and never looked back, it was almost like, in the movie Ghost, where Patrick Swayze walks out at the end of the movie, and then you just see him vanishing. Well, that's exactly what what happened with Steve Couch because I even asked him, and he and he said that was a, that I was the last person that he gave the certificate to. Shook my hand, and then he he went, and he and that was it. And it was just a shame. I I feel bad for the brand directors that are there because they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They are. I don't have I, I don't have any sympathies for them, but at the same time, I know they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So well, I, I'm sure I'm sure the know. brand director Chris Berry uh, wasn't planning on ditching half his staff. I mean, well, I'm sure that's not what uh, I'm sure that's not what he uh, he had, he had intended for his staff. Um, oh, I'm sure I'm sure he brand, wasn't. Brand but... managers don't tend to want to get rid of their talent because that yeah. tends to eliminate their job, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Now, what's going to, ha- you know, we, we could all uh, speculate of what's going to happen afterwards if Bell's, g- I, we have a very funny feeling that Bell is going to do uh, more cutting and basically it's well, going to be I really CG. believe that this whole thing is, uh, is, a, um, is because Bell is trying to sell the stations and the stations are running into red because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and advertising is not so great and they probably mm-hmm. have a suitor that wants to buy the station and uh, they have to bring the station to the black in order to sell it. So in order to bring it to the black, you cut your salaries. Well, I also hope that whoever buys the station, if that's if that's indeed the plan, which I hope it is, uh, that uh, CJD will be in the hands of, of ownership that believes in providing loyal and community-based radio where CJD used to be a powerhouse station admired by thousands of hundreds of thousands of people. And that's the big thing where... You and I worked at CJD. It was a heritage radio station. It was a it was a radio station our parents would depend on listening to school closures due to blizzard conditions or, you know, the latest news, updated traffic. There was 24-hour local programming a day. That was years ago. And then CJD just kept eroding and eroding and eroding. And then when Bell took over, they like you said, they eliminated also evening programming and they've They've done cuts to newsroom. And the thing is, it's media. We should always have localized media whereby to import, to uh, to broadcast the local aspects of what's going on as well as world, you know, world events and everything like that. And then when you get rid of, especially now during a pandemic, if this wasn't bad enough, especially now where we really need the media to depend on giving the facts to us in terms of the pandemic and the numbers and this and that, and especially we need a local English language voice in this city. And Bell, who is an English language company, has completely backstabbed. They were the, and I'm not saying. Well, look, Sheldon, do they, not, have, they have do the right. Do not get me wrong. That they Bell have the right as a only, private company to make 
staffing decisions. I, I can't criticize them for firing their staff. They're, they have the right to do that. It's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. We live in a free market society. I'm criticizing the way they did it, not so much that they did it. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's deplorable that they, that they cut English programming on, on an English radio station, the only English radio station in the city. I think it's mm-hmm. deplorable that they disrespected the English community so much and they don't care so much about the English community that they could cut the programming and, uh, and know that you know, there's not going to be a huge outcry. Uh, I, I think that's really deplorable. But at the same time, I understand that they're a private corporation. They could do whatever the hell they want. We have no right to tell them they can't cut their staff. They could spend their money any way they want to spend their money. But when you're going to cut your staff, at least have the respect of not doing it on a 90-second conference call. Well, they're that's, on a, that's they're revolting. A, they're, they're, they're a public organization. By, they're, on the, they're, they're on the stock exchange. Okay. And... And the thing is, they even gotten... a public organization has the right to choose their staffing. I can't criticize them on choosing their staffing. What I can't okay, criticize but... them in, on is abandoning the, 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 the English community in the, in the city and the way they fired their staff. That's, well, that's, they've that's also, really disgusting. Well, they've also, well, they abandoned their employees. They abandoned the loyalty and the passion, especially in the newsroom, where, where it's the lifeblood of this community to obtain honest, factual information. People would depend on the news 24-7 at that radio station. And I think it was absolutely deplorable. Yes, a company does have a right to fire its staff. Yeah, they could do whatever they want. Yes, but the thing is... uh, What if they decided they they wanted to shut down the radio station? They could have done that too. Well, I wish they would, because you know why? Why? Whoever, somebody would buy it and would run it better than Bell ever did. Oh, I don't because know. About you know you, you, well, I know because look, you know, I, you know, I was there. I was there. I was there through three companies. I, I was there when three companies ran that station. Me too. Uh, so I, I was there when Standard Broadcasting ran the station. I saw a deterioration of the way the station was run when Astro bought the station. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the entire way the station was run had deteriorated. The staff morale had deteriorated. Everything pretty much had had gone, you know, relatively downhill when Astro mm-hmm. took it over, and then I saw it collapse when Bell took it over. So, I mean... Yep. I mean, Well, I'll give you an example. What makes you think I, that any other company buying the station would do any better than these three companies? Well, stand, was Standard, I remembered, because uh, when I was full-time... Look, Standard wasn't perfect either. I remember, no, I remember, I remember one year, one year, I remember I got a Christmas bonus from Standard. I don't know if you remember the story, Sheldon. I got a Christmas um, bonus from Standard. Okay. And okay. uh, my Christmas bonus, uh, they, they basically gave you, I think it was 2 or 3% of your annual, of your annual salary. Uh, something stupid like that. And so my Christmas bonus was for $190, okay? So, uh, like $190, $200. It was, it was really not very much money. And I got an, I, it, the check came with a, with a letter. And the letter said, should be proud of being a standard uh, broadcasting employee. Standard Broadcasting made over $900 million in profits last year. So as a token of our appreciation for you being a, a Standard Broadcasting employee, we're sending you this, this, uh, this little chunk of money to thank you for your, for your things. No, I'm sorry. Did I say it was $200? I, I think it was $80. I, I seem to remember it was under $100, right? And I, I get this letter saying that they made $900 million in profits, and they sent me a lousy 80 bucks, right? So I'm looking at this 80 bucks, and I'm like, okay, 80 bucks is 80 bucks. I'll put it in my pocket. Thank you very much. It's $80 more than I had before. I'm always, I'm always happy when people give me money. Don't get me wrong, Sheldon. I like when people give me money. 
So I'm always, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy. And money I don't have to work for, even happier, right? Thank you very much. Give me as much as you want. I, I'll take it. But then the kicker. The management came around and said, ah, now you have to write a letter to Gary Slate thanking him for the bonus. And send him an email thanking him for the bonus. Every employee is obligated to write a thank you letter to Gary Slate. He was the president and CEO of uh, Standard Broadcasting. So I looked at my manager at the time and I said to him, well, you want me to write him a thank you letter for the $80 he gave me? I mean, I mean, that seems like a lot of work for very little money. And he says, well, you know, uh, you are an employee and you must, you must send him a thank you letter. I said, okay, I'll send him a thank you letter. And a lot of employees, I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember this, Sheldon? you remember when this happened? I remember uh, because when I, it was one year that I remembered, only one year we were asked to do this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was full time at the time. So I was actually getting, I was actually getting uh, like a salary. I was getting like as if I was getting paid for like the two weeks or something like that. I forget what it was. Right. And uh, yeah, I remember that was the one year and I found that was really odd because of all the years we used to get it, we never had to do it. Nobody would, nobody ever mentioned it. So I was sitting in the newsroom with Richard Deschamps and uh, who also, got, who also he lost just, his he job. He just lost himself. his job this past week. And yeah. I was sitting in the newsroom with Richard Deschamps and Jeremy Zaffron, who's now working. I think he was at the CBC. I don't know where he is now. He's in Ghana. Uh, Ghana oh, he's Wangi, at uh, K103. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sitting in the newsroom with Jeremy Zaffron and Richard Deschamps. And... I, I say to the two guys, I say, listen, I have to write a thank you letter to Gary Slate. I mean, they had to write the same letter. And so Jeremy said, I wrote mine already. I just sent it. I just said, thank you very much, Gary, and sent off an email, right? And Richard said, I wrote thank yous too, and I sent it off. And I said, okay, I have to write this letter. Now, I can't just write a letter, Sheldon, saying thank you very much and just emailing it because that would have been... You know, oh, too, Howie, I thought that's would, exactly what you did. It would have been just a little too pedestrian for me, right? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, um, if and I... Here we go. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, <laughs> I wrote a letter to Gary Slate. Radio Volume 1 by Howie Soberger, available now. <laughs> I wrote a letter to Gary Slate, and I wrote, uh, Dear Gary, I want to profusely thank you for the, uh, for the $80 that you sent me as a bonus. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Uh, I'm hoping that I could use the $80 to, uh, to perhaps buy a tank of gas or, 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 maybe, or maybe half an order of groceries this week. Um, and I appreciate Standard, you know, taking $80 out of the $900 million profits that you made this year and bestowing it upon me, uh, profusely thanking you. How we As a token you. of their appreciation. Token meaning token <laughs> of their po- profits. So... Um, I sent it off to, uh, to, to Mr. Slate. It didn't take two days. <laughs> and I get a, a phone call from uh, Mr. Rob Braid, who is the general manager of, uh, of the stations. And he says to me, uh, I have a question for you. I said, yeah. He says, did you write a thank you letter to Gary Slate for the, uh, for the bonus you got? I said, yeah, I did. He said, he said, what did you write in that letter? So I said to him, why are you asking? Uh, I, I assumed when he called me, he had seen the letter that Gary was upset or something, that, you know, I'm like, assuming he read them. 
right? Uh, and then he was upset, and then he called Rob to say, who the hell is this guy, and why is he sending me this sarcastic letter? But, but that's not what happened. So I say, why, do you, um, why are you asking? He says to me, um, I got a call from head office, he says, and they asked me who you were. So I was just curious what you wrote in that letter. So I read him the letter. And he said to me, okay then. <laughs> and he hung up. All right. Time went on, and I didn't hear anything back from them. Then Astral Communications bought out, um, bought out Standard. And about two months after Astral bought out Standard, I get a phone call from, um, from John Collette, who was now in charge of the operations department. And he says to me, could you come down to the station? I have to talk to you. So I said, okay. At that point, I was part-time. I wasn't working at the station. I was always part-time. But uh, that time, I was really part-time. I wasn't there very much. And I came down to the station, and I went to John's office. And John says to me, sit down. I sat down. He says to me, um, remember a while back we had to write those thank you letters to, um, to Gary Slate? I was like, yeah. He says, well, Gary didn't really read those letters. But when they sold the station to Astral, uh, part of the selling point of selling the station, part of the point of selling the station, part of the documentation they passed over to Astral, were all these letters written by their employees from across the country, thanking them for the bonuses to show the employee morale. They, 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 they used the letters as a, as a propaganda tool to show employee morale to the new owners of the station. He says... And yours must have stuck out because um, Ian Greenberg, the, the, the CEO of Astral Communications, uh, he sent you a tennis racket. So I said, I said, what? He says, yeah. And he reached behind his desk and he pulled out this brand new tennis racket. I still have it. I'm, he pulled out this brand new tennis racket. And I have on to the, see it one day. <laughs> and on the tennis racket, there was a, there was a little post-it written on the tennis racket and handwritten by uh, – well, it wasn't a post-it. It was like a card. And I opened up the card, and Greenberg wrote, Dear Howie, he says, I read your letter, thought it was great, and uh, just wanted to show you, give you a token of my appreciation, hope to see you on the court someday, Ian. And I thought that was the oddest thing ever to happen to me in any job I've ever had. I never, I mean, I've known you for many years. I never knew you to be a tennis player. No, I've never played tennis in my life. <laughs> the, the racket is still sitting here. It's brand new. Anybody wants to buy it, I'm like, just send me a message. I'll sell it to you. Um, but, uh, the, the racket's never been used. It still has labels on it. It still has everything on it. But it was a racket in a, in a racket holder, like in a, in a case. And with a note on it from Ian Greenberg, the CEO of Astral Communications, saying, hope to see you on the court someday. Thank you for the letter. And I just thought that was funny. It was a funny ending because, because I mean, I had written the letter like six, eight months, a year before. And, like, I, I never thought I'd hear anything about it again. But there you go. So they didn't think you were a rocket. No, no. Okay. I, I'm sure he got a good laugh when he read my letter, though. <laughs> but that was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. But, um, I mean, not weirder than being... Fired after eleven years by email. That was that was weird too. Yeah. 
So, I, I mean, I just don't get it, Shelton. I, I don't get why people in radio feel that they have this special, um, this special permission to treat other people like garbage. I, I don't understand how this happened, that, uh, that, radio, that radio people and TV people feel that they could do this. Why, why do you think that people in radio and TV aren't treated with a little more respect? Well, to quote Rodney Dangerfield, we all deserve respect in radio. And I think also this is now going to be the big uh, stepping off point for um, online radio, uh, just like we're doing a True Talk and other radio stations that are that are going up because they don't have to go through the politics anymore. They don't have to go through the CRTC and Industry Canada and all this stuff. And I think that uh, really the hiring of the, the biggest problem was when they started hiring, when these radio stations grouped together with these big, big companies and they decided, well, we have money. What's the best way to get more money? And they would hire consultants that have never ever been inside a control room or inside a radio station to see how it was running. It was all like, in other words, showman it's and I'm going to give people a little bit of a history here. Shown back in its heyday in the, er, in, the, in the early 1970s, it used to be CKGM-FM, but when it were, they were shown, they were playing a lot of music that the radio stations, the let's say the classic rock stations weren't playing. They were playing a lot of different types of songs, different types of artists that, have, uh, that Canada's never even heard of before. And they made... Uh, artists like Stick and Genesis and Super Trap, a household name in the city of Montreal where other stations wouldn't touch them. Their their terms of branding and programming was very, very unique. And they would play these songs. And a lot of these songs I actually take today on my Inside the Vault show. I take those songs and stuff that you hear as part of my programming. But the thing is, when they started in the late 1970s to make it 98 Rock, it was done based on an American on American scheme to almost AM-ish FM radio stations to make it more to make it more like the way AM was sounding, and they thought in that way companies would companies like that like Chum or other big companies back then would make s loads of money, and they would have these uh, they would have these high price consultants. And that's and that's how they started saying, okay, we if we can make this much extra profit, let's trim the fat off the beef, and let's get rid of a lot of uh, let's start getting rid of people and giving more work to some of the others. And as you progress in terms of your hierarchy and in terms of your income, then then it'll contribute to more fat, and we're going to get rid of the excess fat. So we're going to trim. Trim. Uh, we're going to increase our bottom line and get rid of the employees that start that, that have worked for us for many, many, many years. And that was the beginning of the death for terrestrial radio is when these and it's not exclusive to Bell. So I'm going to reiterate this. Bell's not the only company to have done this in radio or otherwise. Rogers has done it. Shaw Media has done it. Chorus has done it. The big, big ifs. Uh, Evanoff Radio Group, they automate about 90 they they have ninety percent, ninety five percent of their stations automated. Yeah, but Sheldon, the I, have, the drive. I have no problem with that at all. But the problem I okay. have with is that the original programming, 
original yeah. program, original English programming that should be uh, that should be um, every day for the yeah. English community has been cut. That's my problem. It's the problem of uh, of of the English community not having the programming that they should have on their only Absolutely. English radio station. Yeah. So if there were three or four English radio stations and some of them were doing talks, some of them were doing whatever, then I would say, okay, it's not an issue. But they're the only English talk radio station. And being the only English radio talk, talk radio station, they have a responsibility to serve the community that they're serving. That's why I said they can write their own ticket because no matter what they're going to do, they're still going to have their loyal audience. That's right. So that that's the that's the that's the this is why Montreal the Montreal market is a joke. And now this really now because of what Bell did, it really emphasizes the fact that the Montreal English language broadcasting market is a joke. No, now it and is. They yeah. And they've they've insulted your uh, your intelligence and mine and all the listeners and viewers out there for for Bell Media stations and other other corporate big giant radio broadcasting companies. They've insulted us because they're not even providing us a platform where people can express their opinions may be in talk radio and for people to receive the news 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like CJD used to be. That's why CJD used to be so special. And CJD was in its heyday when CFCF radio, which was also a big powerhouse was competing against them because that means they had to put in all the resources and all their energies to make sure that their programming was good enough to get the listeners' attention because the listeners at that time had a choice. Listeners now really don't have much of a choice. Yes, you have the CBC radio. Okay, CBC is good in what it does, but CBC is government, and CBC continues to have their budget slashed, and CBC let a lot of people go. So, like, again, it's not just Bell, but CJD has lost its Montreal identity, and Bell took that away. And and uh, when Shom used to be owned by Demesna Broadcasting, which I used to be a part of at CKGM, it had a specialized music tailored to the Montreal market. Now Shom is like any other classic rock radio station. CJD is like any other news talk radio station ar- around the world with no identity of its own anymore. Okay, That's so the problem. We, we got a question on Facebook. Paul's asking, would you be able to get TTR on XM Radio? Um, yes and no. Uh, I, years ago, I had a contact at XM that uh, told me that um, that we could um, we could probably get on if we had a niche market. So if we were going after, let's say, the Jewish community and did all Jewish programming, we could probably get a station on there. As a regular talk station, we'd have to prove that we have the listenership. So um, generally, they don't take online stations; they'll only take terrestrial stations who have been uh, in the ratings market. So. So if you're a terrestrial station and you have, let's say, five years or ten years worth of, uh, of uh, BBM ratings that prove that you have you know, 50,000 listeners or 20,000 or 30,000 listeners every, uh, every quarter hour, uh, then they would be interested in taking you. Because don't forget, SiriusXM is only interested in taking shows and stations that could provide them with membership money. So... So when you become part of Sirius and you take your station, you put it onto Sirius, you have to close down your terrestrial station. They don't allow you to broadcast on both. And the reason for that is because they don't want your listeners getting the, the, uh, getting the material for free rather than them paying for memberships to hear your material. So mm-hmm. if we decided to take this show, let's say, and go on to XM Radio, um, 
XM Radio, if I could prove that I have the listenership, XM Radio would take us onto XM Radio, but then we wouldn't be able to stream it online. So we'd, you know, we'd only be able to do it on XM. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, uh, that's the way they work. It's their, it's their business model. Uh, it makes sense. It's logical, but that's their business model. Right. So, so, yeah, we could take True Talk Radio to XM uh, if we had the programming, the appropriate programming and everything else. Uh, but then we wouldn't be serving the purpose that I want True Talk to serve, which is essentially, uh, which is essentially serving the English Montreal Jew- community, not the Jewish community, but the English Montreal community, um, and giving them and giving English Montreal radio personnel personalities the f- leeway to do radio the way radio is supposed to be done, uh, to be able to express their passion and make and, and make a salary doing it. Like we, we have sales guys out there selling advertising so people can make salaries, but be able to produce radio without a corporate overlord saying, listen, you know, that may be a little too uh, unpolitically correct, so you can't really talk that way. Uh, I don't want to have to worry about that. Yes, we follow the CRTC rules. Yes, we, uh, we, 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 we follow the, uh, the, the rules of engagement when it comes to radio and how radio is supposed to be run. But at the same time, we're not afraid to speak the truth and we're not afraid to... to, to to, to speak our minds. And that's, that's really the, the vision I have for this. Well, that's what I've always said, too, that I've always loved um, online radio because I've been involved with other projects, including yours, and now I'm hosting my own musical show. And I'm saying, you know, this is one thing that online radio has over terrestrial radio. One word. It's called freedom. Well, you have freedom or- on terrestrial radio, too. Look, you have a license. The license tells you you have to serve the, the community. Right now... Um, now you have the broadcast standards board, which which will uh, which will decide if you say something that's a little over the line, and they, they they could sanction you. But other than that, you have pretty much the freedom to do anything you want on terrestrial radio. You could be right wing, left wing. You could be center. You could uh, you could you could pretty much do whatever you want. Uh, the 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 fact that most stations in Canada choose to be left wing, not right wing, uh, doesn't mean that they can't choose to go the other way, or choose to present both sides of the issue. Uh, they just choose not to. So, so it's a yeah, conscious choice. Sometimes the owners, the ownership has uh, has expressed to their employees. Well, yeah. Well, it's always the publisher that makes. And have put pressure on the employees about what to do, and well, that's well, the publisher that, always makes the decision, right? Yeah, and the thing is, that's that was the one thing that the talk hosts would lose their independence because based on what the owners wanted them to do. And I always thought that was a wrong thing to do. As long as they were within the concept of not saying anything racist or, uh, you know, attacking people uh, based on ethnicity or, or uh, any kind of prejudice at all. But I'm saying, let's say if you have a left-leaning view, a right-wing, uh, right-wing-leading view or whatever the case is, and the owner, let's say, is left-wing and you're right-wing, why should you be asked to change what your own beliefs are? Right. As long as you're adhering to the policies thereof that governs uh, uh, terrestrial radio use in Canada, because radio airwaves are, is for the public. It's it's for the public's consumption. Look, so I, I've been on... The thing is, on, is telling you, using his leverage or her leverage to tell you what to think on behalf of the radio station, that's wrong. I've been on the radio for a lot of years. And in all the years I've been on the radio, I've always maintained... That if you're going to come onto my show or you're going to come onto my station, you're going to be able to express your opinions the way you want to express your opinions. Now, Sheldon, you've been on my show for almost eight years now. Have I ever mm-hmm. told you 
that you can't say no. something on the show ever. Like, be no. honest. I, no. I, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here. You're sitting there. I'm not going to get insulted if you're honest. Be honest. Have I ever coached you or told you how to how to think no. about any topic that we ever spoke about? I've even said it on my Facebook page um, many times. I was saying about the freedom that I have in both. Uh, look, I remember even when you and I discussed me doing the music show, uh, you never gave me any restrictions. You never gave me, I mean, I told you exactly what my plan was, what I was going to play and stuff like that. Um, and I and I was honest. I was saying, okay, listen, I'm going to play some artists. Maybe some artists people might not like, or maybe some, some, that's why I always put a disclaimer in. But I'm saying at the same time, you know, I'm saying like, do I have, to, do I need to worry about any specific rules or anything like that? And you said, no, I have carte blanche. Yep. And it's the same thing, no, to answer to answer your question. You never told me what I cannot express my views about or not. Um, you know, look, I mean, we don't say outlandishly racist things. We don't go over the line. We do stick to the integrities of professionalism, honesty, and integrity. Yeah, but so that's, but, what we, but that's what we do. The point I'm but trying to make. That's not something you, you ask me. That's something you and I were always brought up. But the point I'm trying to make, of, Sheldon, is that that on terrestrial radio, sometimes the brand director or the program director will tell a host that you have to take this point yes. of view. And that's not right. And whether and the host the thing, agrees with yeah. it or disagrees with it, that's the point of view the host has to take. And uh, yeah. that is the problem. And, and I would never, ever do I that to anybody. Yeah, that's the thing I don't, uh, that's the thing I don't believe in because... There's a difference of a, a newscaster doing a news uh, a newscast that's supposed to be unbiased and give us and not his or her biases of any kind gives the facts as it is and for the people to make their judgments and uh, same thing with hardcore journalists for talk show hosts yes they have a right to formulate an opinion and they should be allowed to do formulate an opinion and in many cases a lot of talk show hosts don't have that option in terrestrial radio. And this is what I love about online radio, because we allow the atmosphere to dictate our passions, our loyalties, and the freedom to express while still maintaining our corporate values in terms of our integrity, our honesty, and our professionalism. But Sheldon, and I, it's not I, something you and I have talked about. It's something you and I have been branded to do because we worked in commercial radio. Sheldon, I did this when I was on terrestrial radio, too. Anybody yeah. who ever came onto my show never was coached on what they can or can't say. In fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, you could actually see where we, um, I show a couple of behind-the-scenes uh, footage. I have some behind-the-scenes footage of the Howie Silberger show when we were on 1650 AM. It's kind of ridiculous. Some of it's, like, really dumb. But, um, but the behind-the-scenes footage, you'll see that, you know, sometimes um, somebody will be sitting there and say to me, hey, could I say this? And I say, I don't care what you say. Because if I disagree with what you say, I will argue with you. I will argue against the point. I won't argue with you. I'll argue against your point. If, if I think you're wrong, I'll argue your point. Because that's the whole point of having a discussion. If we all said everything that we all, if we all agreed on everything we said, there would be no point in me having you on the show or you being on the show because it would just be talking to myself. So I prefer to have people which on the you, show. Which you say you do that a lot before when you're, when you're in the studio by yourself, you talk. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's the nature of radio. You sit in a room and talk to yourself. I mean, I, I'm sitting in this room right here, and um, I'm, I'm talking to you, but you're not in the room with me, right? So essentially, I'm talking to myself, and you're eavesdropping on the conversation. Who else knows this? Uh, could, be, could be everybody else listening right now. I, I don't, I'm not so sure. Uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> That's watching the Super Bowl and listening to you with the other ear. Right, yeah. <laughs> Because this is but you know, here's, an, here's another story too. But the uh, what Super was that? Let, let me just let me just let me just uh, sure. Let me, before you get to your Super Bowl story, uh, we've done the Super Bowl show, uh, the Howie Silberger show on the Super Bowl for at least twenty years. So I mean, it, it's all good. Um, if you want to call in and get in on the conversation, you could do that. Uh, the show is live, um, so you could call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. If it's Sunday night and you're listening, it's live. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Sheldon, sorry about that. And don't worry, we don't have a high half time show, people. No, no, not at all. No, no but I was saying, like, Sheldon might dance Super for you a little Bowl, later, though. Uh, a few years ago, there was a there was a big complaint uh, from Bell Media when they had the what they call the Super Bowl ads. Now, I'm sure you've heard of this, and and we've talked about this before, and it used to be known as uh, as uh, channel substitution, right. And in the States, Bell would get their feed from an American network. So whoever was broadcasting Super Bowl, ABC, NBC, CBS, whoever was broadcasting, the, the, the feed itself, the game itself, the highlights, all this, all, this, uh, all this stuff would be broadcast via the feed through American networks. And when they would go to a commercial, instead of airing the American commercials, uh, Bell would substitute the American commercials for Canadian commercials. So there was one year... Um, there was one year that the CRTC did not allow Bell to do this. Now, for people out there, th- there's a lot of people out there that love the American and international commercials that you would see during the Super Bowl. And a lot of people would be upset here in Canada and they would get their their feed from illegal sources so they could bypass the Canadian commercials and get the American commercials. So Bell was really upset. They were like a bunch of crybabies. So one year they didn't get it. Oh, this is going to be detrimental to our bottom line and the whole kit and caboodle. The next year, um, the CRTC reversed its decision and allowed Bell to substitute substitute commercials. So Bell was saying, remember at that time, that a lot of employees would have wound up losing their jobs because this would be a big impact on on the bottom line and everything. And they were pleading like crybabies. Get out the so the CRTC, so the CRTC again decided to say, "Okay, all right, Bell, you could substitute your commercials for the American commercials during Super Bowl." And those commercials air like I think it's something like one million dollars at least for a fifteen second spot in the Super Bowl. Right. Okay, so you can imagine how much money Bell will pu- Bell would would pull into this thing. Shall we? We got, we got we got a call, so let's go to the phone. Yeah. Hi, who's this? Hey, good night. How do you get a, a DJ? I'm a DJ. I like to play on this um, mix cloud. How do I get in touch with somebody? I have no idea, but thanks for calling. Okay. okay fine. Uh, he's a DJ. So That's um, pretty much what I understood on that conversation. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, so then the thing yeah. was, as part of the, um, the pandemic uh, money that was by the government uh, to businesses for them to keep employees in the payroll. Bell received a lot of money from the federal government um, f- uh, uh, to try to, and like a lot of businesses were, forget what, what it was called, but it was like a business loan or a business supplement to keep the employees on the payroll. So right. it was part of a liberal uh, government's money 
money given to uh, companies to keep their employees on the payroll. So they give the money to Bell. So obviously you could see what Bell did with the money and it wasn't to keep the employees on. That's number one. Number two, Bell, let's talk. Hmm. Now there was uh, a lot such of a, things such a joke. Bell over the last few years. Such a joke. That, yeah, well, I, that's the thing. Like, if this would have been a really good, um, really good thing that they would do every year to the point of keeping everybody and Bell, and Bell employees alike to make sure they get all the help they needed. Now they let people go right when it's Bell Let's Talk. They let people go in the in the midst of a pandemic where people are, it's very hard to get jobs on any level right now, never mind on radio broadcasting. That's like you said, they'll probably never get a job. And especially in this English language market, I don't know where they could get a job. Well, they can't. There's and, only one station. It, yeah. So there's, there's no And that station just cut them. So... And there were there were there were times that pe- that employees of Bell have taken time off because of mental health or whatever the case is, and they wound up being fired from right. Bell, the same company that paraded the less talk. Now they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars in endorsements from celebrities and people from Howie Mandel down down the line. Now, just for laughs, went into uh, is now tooting Bell's Let's Talk campaign because now Bell acquired over 50% of Just for Laughs. So you could see where the, you could see where this is going. And it's look, the, uh, the, Let's Talk, the Let's Talk campaign is actually a good idea because uh, talking about mental health is very important. Well, sure it is. But when you don't practice what you preach, that's the problem I have. So firing um, people in a 90-second conference call after years and years and years of work, of, of tireless work at your station, firing people in 90 seconds in a conference call uh, is not really the way to maintain people's mental health. No. So, so the hypocrisy in this whole thing is that here they are doing a good thing, trying to promote mental health awareness, and at the same time breaking people's mental health by mistreating them as an employer. So... I don't. I don't like the hypocrisy. I like the fact they raise money for mental health awareness. Don't get me wrong, and uh, I think it's important. But at the same time, I think it's it's really revolting that they don't care about the mental health of their employees. So, well, that's the thing. That's why I would give mental health directly, like from my to go to the Canadian Mental Health Association and give directly there. But I would not give anything towards Bell right. because I don't. I as an as a former employee, I do not believe in supporting a radio station that doesn't support their own employees that have robbed employees of their own livelihood. And I would rather give to the Canadian mental health association directly and completely avoiding the third party being bell. Yes. Mental health is very important. And especially now during the pandemic, the, the stress stress on all the resources of mental health globally, internationally had been absolutely through the roof. And Bell, who took the initiative of having this campaign and had they treated their employees with dignity and, and, the, and professionalism and properly, then yes, I would have given to Bell. But the way I was treated, the way other people were treated of years of service and now, I wouldn't give anything towards Bell. I, I mean, personally, I'm saying on a personal level, 
since I was let go, I have stopped listening to, to any Bell radio stations anywhere that I would ever go in Canada because I don't believe in giving any kind of support or any kind of ratings of any kind of a station that has personally not only diminished me of my capacity to be able to support myself, but to other people as well. And I think that this company, and again, it's not just Bell, so I'm not just going after Bell. It's all companies that operate this way. And even though Bell has lost some of its profit, the fact is it still has a tremendous profit. And I'm sorry, but this company is not in the red. This company will never be in the red. They've got too many resources, too many uh, between the shares. And it's one of the strongest companies in this country. So I have no sympathy for people that are in the ivory towers and have made these decisions. I, you know, when they say about the pressures on advertisers, don't give me this baloney. If you're the only, if, if you had about 10, 20 companies doing the same thing in broadcasting, I would believe them. If you're the only game in town that have a 90% monopoly in the entire country, never mind it practically 95% in Montreal, don't give me this BS because I'm not going to believe it. I'm sorry. Well, there was supposed to be a competitor that came up against uh, Bell Media. Um, they were, uh, you know, the, um, they were they were supposed to open up 600 with uh, with a revamp of uh, CFQR, but that yep. never really happened. That 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 kind of uh, lingered for ten years and then just died. So I don't well, know. Well, they were supposed they were actually story. supposed to go on air on December. I was let go in September 2013. They were supposed to go on the air. Uh, or they were going to start going on the air December of 2013. And it was, uh, I believe it was two French stations and one English station. Yes, that one was supposed to be C uh, like CFQR. And uh, there were two French radio stations that were supposed to go. I think there was two French radio stations. And it would have been, I mean, it would have been uh, a decent competitor, a competitor in the city, which is something we desperately needed. Now, it would not be a, a real huge force to Bell Media, but it would give people at least a choice locally. And they wanted to go in local they, their Their platform at that time, I, and obviously we haven't heard anything from them, you, you and myself, was supposed to be uh, loyalty-based radio programming in terms of having two hosts per, practically for each show, one doing one point, one doing counterpoint. So it was like point-counterpoint. Uh, type of thing of all the issues, both um, domestically as well as locally, and you know, they I were would, supposed to do that. And I, they were I would supposed find to that, do locally based programming. I would find that format interesting if it wasn't yeah. contrived. So if they yeah. didn't come over out, out and say, "All right, you're taking the pro and you're taking the con," you know, make your arguments. Uh, if people were actually fighting for the position that they actually believed in. Uh, I would find that very interesting. But uh, yeah. my experience has been uh, listening to a lot of radio over the years and watching a lot of, you know, partisan television, let's call it, over the years, that uh, the networks tend to tell people what they're going to say, not not let people fight their own battles. And so if it was going to be contrived and people were going to be told which position to take. No, that's wrong, too. It, no. re it really wouldn't work for me. It has to be the freedom for people to choose the side. And it has to, first of all, people also will know because radio is something that look, in is the very. Look, in CJD's the Gang of Four when they had that Gang of Four the, uh, in the mornings. Yeah. Um, it was obvious sometimes 
that there would be people on that panel who were arguing points that they didn't believe in. And so you were listening to their arguments, and they were making the arguments semi-convincingly, but it was obvious to anybody listening carefully that this is not the argument that this person would generally make. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was obvious to me, at least, that some of these people were told, this is the position you have to take because the editor are taking that position, so you have to take this position. Um, right. Uh, that kind of contrived setup is is problematic for me. Uh, I've always I've always been of the mindset, and I've always run my show and you know run my station and everything else, um, knowing that this is the position I have on whatever topic we're talking about. Let me find a guest. Let me find somebody who could come on and take the counter position, but who actually believes in the counter position, because it's much more fun and much more interesting to talk to and listen to somebody who believes in what they're talking about. Then somebody who did a bunch of research has a bunch of facts and is just throwing out facts that they read on the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. And I think that uh, I ho- it would be nice to see if if people were able to have their own f- expression, freedom of freedom of expression on a point counterpoint thing, and really be able to take it and make it their own. And I think that would be really uh, very entertaining radio. And again, like you said, it, they would have management would have to allow it. And I would be able to see that this uh, that uh, this company would do it because they're a small company wanting to gain their lit- uh, listeners. But the idea and, seemed to have imploded anyway, so I don't think it's happened. Yeah. So the thing is, yeah, and you and I've discussed about it, and look, it's been now it's going on eight years. I don't even know if they still have the license. And I haven't heard a peep. There was uh, every once in a while when I would think something would be like dead in the water. All of a sudden I would see an article from somebody from the Gazette by the name of Fagstein or other very well-known sources close to media would say, okay, this was why TTP media was delayed. And I know there was a thing with the transmitter and there was a thing of the renting of the transmitter and maintenance of the transmitter and all this stuff. And there was, a that lot of things take, now. None and, of these things take eight years to clear up. So yeah, and I and I think that too. That I think it's pretty much it. I mean, I they were playing music for a while on the six hundred band, uh, and if they still are, that means the CRTC is still allowing that. But how much longer is the CRTC going to allow it? And what about getting another game in town to be able to say, hey, let's open up a radio station and let's do this? Because apparently well, that's that's what that's Rogers, essentially, essentially what Rogers, we're doing right here now. Yeah, Rogers was in the midst of trying to secure that frequency. Right. Uh, and they ran against TTP Media and Steve Couch, who was, we both know him and very well respected in radio circles. He made he put out a, a really uh, interesting plan that convinced the CRTC that TTP Media was uh, a real game and was a, a new game in town to be reckoned with. And... Um, they gave it to, to gave it to TTP Media, and they really were the new game in town to be reckoned with. So there you go. Yeah, and uh, now so, so now we are trying we are trying to launch an AM radio station, uh, not to compete against CJD because you can't compete against a juggernaut, but we want to be able to offer, um, want to be able to offer the English community programming produced by radio professionals who care about radio programs. So yeah. we want people to be able to uh, express themselves, be able to, to, um, to, to create radio programming based on their passion for radio. We want a station run by passionate people who want to 
be passionate about radio, who don't have to care about the bottom line, don't have to care about the corporate overlords coming and saying, we're, bu- we're cutting budgets, so you've got to cut 15 people. We, we don't want any of that crap. Simple as that. But we well, want I put to- it on my Facebook page. Um, so I put, I, I put uh, the uh, project on my radio yep. page. You put it on your radio page. 600 so AM is still playing people. music, Sheldon. Pardon me? We, we just confirmed, Paul just confirmed that 600 AM is still playing music. Oh, okay, Paul, thank you. So that means if they're still playing music, that means... Uh, they still have a license. They still have a license, yeah. 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 But how long, uh, how long the, the question goes to mind, how long will the CRTC just allow them playing music? That's a good question. 600. That's, that's a thing, too, because uh, when, you're, when you have the license and then when you're getting the advertising re- revenue and everything else... I, I mean, first of all, the CRTC is losing money, m- money if a license is granted and radio station is actually operational and making money and paying into the, to it, as opposed to just the basic license. But now what's going to happen? So the question is, how long will the CRTC allow it? And well, it's been eight years already, so it seems like what, a really long other, what time. What about other people going to the CRTC saying, well, when are they going to launch? Because we have a platform to launch. Um, well, we're building a platform to launch. We will have a platform to launch within the next three months. It is, uh, it is uh, the next three months we are looking to launch this radio station. In the next three months, we are looking to, uh, to, to have a platform of local programming that will be able to, uh, that we, able, we will be able to go to the CRTC and say, hey, listen, we have all these local people uh, who are producing local radio online that we would like to put on AM. And we, we would take it from there. So I, I'm predicting uh, my goal. No, I'm, I'm not predicting. My goal is to have um, is to get rid of all the syndicated program we have currently airing on True Talk Radio, with the exception of maybe one or two shows that 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 I like and that uh, that that have been on the station since day one. So we wouldn't want to get rid of them. Um, but to get rid of most of the syndicated programming on True Talk Radio and replace it with all local programming. This is our goal. Now, what do we achieve the goal in two, three months? That's, that's, that's what we're working towards. We're working really hard. In the background, we're working very hard to get there. Now, I'm hoping that we get there in two, three months, Sheldon, by the summertime, so that we could apply to the CRTC over the summer and uh, be in their first round of uh, hearings in September. That's, that's, that's the goal. Now, whether it works or not, that's up to, that's up to if we could get the funding, that's up to if we could get the, uh, the talent that's willing to commit to being on the station and willing to commit to doing shows on the station. Uh, so, so there's a lot of ifs in there, but, uh, but we're working really hard on trying to acquire the, 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 the funding, the backing, and the talent. And uh, this is what we're doing. And so if you're interested, you could email me. Um, or if you know my number, you could call me. Uh, but you could email me. You could call me at 877-669-1292 if you're interested in producing a show. Uh, if you're a local radio person who, uh, who is unemployed or who, who's looking for an outlet, we are looking for you. So feel free to call 1-877-669-1292. Um, leave me a message on the, on, the, on the second extension, so extension 2. Leave me a message. I will call you back. Uh, if you are somebody who's willing to advertise or willing to help fund or willing to help work behind the scenes to make this happen, uh, give me a call there too, and uh, I, w- I would like to talk to you. Um, if you don't feel comfortable calling me, you could always email me, howie at truetalkradio.com. It's, it's, it's simple. I mean, uh, this, is, this is the goal, Sheldon. 
Now I'm hoping that it works. Uh, I'm hoping. Well, that you it already. Works. You, well, I already have one show at, the, at your station with the with the Inside the Vault show. So that's true. And we have uh, Dino Mazzoni is starting a show coming up uh, in in a few months. He's he's going to launch Sidebar. He's going to yep. launch a show Sidebar right here on True Talk Radio. We are very excited about Dino joining uh, joining the True Talk Radio family, and uh, and we're looking forward. To, uh, he'll be on the show maybe next week uh, to talk about this. We're looking forward to having Dino on the network. Um, I'm, he's an amazing person. I mean, you and I have talked about him both on and off the yeah, air. He's I an love amazing Dino. person. Uh, I've always a really Dino. dear friend to both of us. So uh, we wish him all the very, very best. And so I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying that uh, that more people step forward and more people say enough of this corporate radio, enough of being treated like garbage. Let's go to a place that respects radio, that has a passion for radio, that wants radio to succeed. Come to True Talk Radio. Uh, I promise you that this radio station will treat you with respect, will treat you with honor, and will do our utmost to, to, to give you the audience that you deserve for your creations, for your radio shows. This is, this is my pledge to you. So we're willing to invest the money, we're willing to invest the time and the effort, and uh, we have the platform already, the platform's already built. So we're ready to go, we are ready for you. So come join us. I can't, I can't make a, a, more, a more honest and, and sincere plea than that, Sheldon. Yep, and I hope that if people really do respect local radio, they will come aboard and they will want this, they want to make this happen. We can do it, and there's strength in numbers, and there's a lot of talent in this city. There's a lot yeah. of talent. Like, there's so many people, you, know, it you kills and I me. both kills, know that have got let go. There's so it much. It kills I mean, me, Sheldon, when I, when I see former colleagues, former radio colleagues of mine working at jobs that they really don't like because they can't find jobs in radio. They want to stay in Montreal. They can't yeah. find jobs in radio. So they're working in other jobs, and you see it, and they're, they're miserable because that's not really what their passion is. Yeah. And especially when people have, have worked over half their life in radio. Yeah. Like you and I've worked over half our lives in radio. When I think and, about it, uh, I've, look, I've been on... worked 20 years at CJD. And uh, look, I looked, I worked 25 years, uh, you know, and then at Jewel. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that really need this outlet. And I think I really encourage everybody to come aboard. Sheldon, I started on radio when I was 17 years old. I'm, uh, I'm 46. So I've been I've been on radio a long time, twenty nine yep. years. It's the majority. It's the majority of my life. Not only is the majority of my life, it's my entire adult life. I've been on radio. Hmm. Well, and, I've been close to thirty years in this business, and, like twenty five years alone at CJD, like half my life. Like that's yeah. what it is. And when you worked, this was, you know, the like you and I have worked in this business for so many years. We are really the people, the old school radio people. And now, uh, look, could you just imagine, here's another thing, too. You just imagine how we, when you and I started radio, there were no broadcasting schools back then. Yeah. When I, yeah, first, dude, start, when I first started radio. When I started radio, the only broadcasting school was uh, Robert Viro's uh, radio radio school. Well, he even had, before Robert Viro's just, radio just school. just started it. And I know, and I know Robert Viro because I, yeah. I used to work with him, too, sometimes. And I, and I remember, and I used to remember, I would hear stories from people that have worked in radio longer than I have. And they were saying, Oh, they would go to a small town like Brockville or they would go like to a small, like Cornwall or something like that, which were like small, small, like minuscule markets and would sweep the floors and would like do everything, like do production, their own yeah. news, doing their own show, doing everything so they can, so they can get the experience. And then they would go into bigger markets. And the small market that I went to was Ottawa. 
that was a small market and compared to Cornwall, it was a medium sized market. So Ottawa was a big market when I got my start, but I also, before I got into commercial radio, I was uh, doing the record library on a volunteer basis for Shome back in the old house on Green Avenue. So I was like doing that. So like if you want to count non-paid, that's probably close to 40 years I've been in the business, 35, 40 years that I've been, been in the business. But when I started in Ottawa, my God, like it was it was like a dream come true for me. And it's a dream, it was a dream come true for you for you, for you when you first got your first radio job. You know, when I, I worked with when I when I I, I first started radio, uh, I was I started at Concordia University when I uh, when I started when I really started working in radio. I had worked in radio a little before that. I had a television show before that when I was 16 years old. But uh, after that, uh, when I really started working in radio, I was working at Concordia. At Concordia, I was simulcasting on the two Concordia radio stations. At the time, they had two stations there. Uh, when I got my job at CJAD, um, I got it. Uh, did I ever tell you the story about how I got my job at CJAD, Sheldon? I so, don't know if you did. So, so it's actually a fairly funny story. By the way, you can entertain call, us. By the way, you could call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. You could join us here on the air on the Howie Silberger Show. I appreciate uh, you listening, and please feel free to call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. This is Sheldon Eric Fried. I am Howie Silberger, and um, uh, I, one day, one day, I was uh, eight, eighteen, nineteen years old. Um, my mother calls me and says to me, I was listening to the Dave Fisher morning show on the weekend. And, uh, he said that he was looking for a producer for his show. He said it on the air. She says, maybe you should, wow, apply. Okay. maybe you should apply. And I said, mm, okay. So I wrote an application saying, Hey, look, I heard Dave Fisher say he was looking for a producer on the air on, uh, on weekends. I I'm, I'm interested. Please, uh, please, you know, consider me. And I sent in uh, my application with my uh, with my limited experience at the time. I had done radio at Concordia. I had done a little bit of radio when I was living in Israel. So there, there was a, there was a little bit of radio behind me, but um, not 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 enough to get a like, you know a full time job doing radio. Um, and I got a call from Toby Goodfellow, who at the time was running uh, the operations department at CJD. And he says to me, "Why don't you come down and talk?" I knew Toby from university. I was at Concordia with him. So we knew each other, and um, and, and he, was, he was working at CJD. So he says, come down and let's talk. He was a great guy, Toby. Loved him. Yeah. I, I walked into the station, and I met with Toby, and he hired me on the spot. It, was, it wasn't a problem. I, uh, I had the qualifications he was looking for, and he hired me. And as I was walking out, I don't remember who it was. One of the people were, passed me in the hallway and says, to me, and says to me, hey, you're Howie, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm Howie. And they said, um... I read your application. I was like, you read my application? That's weird. And then another guy, and then another guy, three guys on my way out of the st- station. Hey, you're Howie. I read your application. And so I called Toby. Like when I got home, I called Toby and I said, what's going on? He says, well, you know, Dave Fisher was joking when he, uh, when he made that statement on the air on Sunday. And, and your whole thing about, you know, how much you love Dave Fisher and how much you love radio uh, was, it was just funny. So we shared it with everybody. But that, oh that, that, that was my start there. Anyway, we got a call. Let's go. Oh, they hung up. All right, call back. 1-877-669-1292. 1-877-669-1292. Uh, okay, here he is. Let's call. Let's, let's go to the call. Hi, who's this? Hi, Dr. Lori. Hey, Dr. Lori Batito. Hi, how's it going, Dr. Lori? <laughs> Man, I haven't, how are you? I haven't spoken to you in forever. Hi, I Dr. Know. Lori. How are you? 
I'm really well. I'm really well. I, I just I, I think it's great what you're doing I, trying to get the, I feel so bad the community. I feel so bad after 22 years and you didn't have a chance to say goodbye to your audience. That, that's so horrible. Yeah, that, that was the hard part. Yeah. But, you know, I understand the radio business. I've been around long enough to have seen how many, you know, all the cuts and how many people and how people lose their shows and when they do restructuring and yeah. when they're doing cutbacks. So it's not it wasn't a huge surprise. Um, but I felt bad. You know, I felt bad that, that listeners who were, didn't have access, let's say, to social media turned on their radio that Monday night and, and didn't hear me. Yeah. And, uh, and there was no way to kind of reach out to those people, you know? Yeah, I had the same thing when I was on Radio Shalom, and they just cut my show. Like, one day I came in, and at the end of the show, they just said goodbye. And I didn't even have a chance. I didn't even know before the show to say, hey, look, let's transition to uh, online. Let's transition here. Let's transition there. It was just goodbye after 16 yeah. years. So, yeah, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the nature of the business. So you kind of ha- have to know that going in. Um, you know, of course, I never thought I'd last 22 years. So right. to me, I'm just grateful that I got to spend that, that kind of time on the air, you know. I have to tell well, you, you had a tremendous following and uh, a lot of people really appreciated what you've done. And you were really, I remember you in, in uh, so many events at the radio station, you really put yourself out there and you were really an ambassador uh, too for CJD. And I really, you know, I love CJD. CJD people are my family. Everybody who works there is part of my extended family. Sheldon, how many, you know, how many years did we end up working together? Uh, yeah. You know, many uh, so I'm I'm forever grateful, really, for for the company way back when it was owned by, you know, by Standard and, and it was a smaller family back then. And then as we transitioned and transit, a lot of changes happened. And then we got then it felt like we just got swallowed up by big corporate, you know. Yeah. And Laura, you're always welcome to bring passion to True Talk Radio. <laughs> well, uh, I'm in the midst of exploring my options right now, but. A few people reaching out and and lots of propositions, so I'm uh, I will I will let you know. Yeah, but well, it couldn't happen like to I said, a better person, Lori. Like I said, Lori, the, the the offer is always open to you. You are very sweet. Anyway, enjoying you, uh, enjoying listening to you and and your uh, and what you're doing, what you're planning. I think it's great what you're planning. Uh, I'm hoping it's it works out. Uh, I really think that there's a lot of people out there who have a passion for radio that don't have an outlet. So uh, I really want to be that outlet. I want to help them. I want to help bring them forward. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Great. I'll be following. Take care. You. Thank you so much for calling in, Lori. I appreciate it. Bye Take care, Lori. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was Dr. Lori Batito, an old friend. Uh, I, I've known Lori. I worked on her show once, only once, in all the years I was at CJD. But it was fun. Yeah, she's a she's a ama- she was an amazing person. Always had a smile on her fi- face. Yeah. Never had a I'm bad so, word sure to say about anybody. I'm, always appreciated everybody that. I'm sure she still her. always has a smile on her face. Because I can't see Lori getting depressed about this. No, no, she's great, and she sounds like she's she's happy. And I'm not surprised that people have reached out to her because uh, she was really a very integral part of CJD yeah. for the past 22 years. Yeah, and I hope she finds a place to land that's uh, that's that's good for her, and 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 helps her with what she needs to be doing. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I wish her all the best, and I uh, thank you so much for calling in, Dr. Lori Petito. Yeah, thank you so much, Lori. one 877 is the number to call. Get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. We are aired live on uh, truetalkradio.com, so the live stream on True Talk Radio, the audio stream and the video stream. We're, uh, we're also broadcast on YouTube, uh, Mixcloud, Periscope, Facebook, and Twitch. 
Sheldon, we're on Twitch. Oh, you got on Twitch. Okay. We finally right. got Twitch. I don't know what Twitch is, but we're broadcasting onto Twitch. Well, listen, <laughs> hey, if, if the formula works, and this is what's going to happen, too, if people come aboard True Talk Radio, well, yeah, you'll we, be broadcasting in different in different avenues. Yep. So just to uh, tell you. Uh, we made it into a TV show, into a radio radio TV show, so it's, it's fun. I mean, uh, you know, we have a good time here, and that's what we try to do. And once again, we're trying to uh, we're trying to get get the station up and running, and uh, get get the um, and get the talent, get the, give the talent an outlet to be able to express themselves. That's that's really what I want to do. Show. There is a lot of talent. Like it's it's amazing of how much this market really. Uh, really has has had talent for so many years, and CJD has been such the the forefront of tremendous broadcasting through over seventy five years of its existence. And I really hope the people who have uh, been victims of Bell Media cutbacks they will reach out and uh, also to network and uh, and to come aboard here and to really utilize their talents because they have so many wonderful talents and. Uh, it would be great to have almost like a reunion of sorts yeah. to come over here. So it'll be it'll be our version of the Fort Street uh, reunion. Fort Street reunion. Uh, the Fort Street studios don't exist anymore, unfortunately. But uh, but but the the memories are still the there. Reunion. I don't I don't know if you ever went to a, went to a couple and like some haven't seen me so good. To- Sheldon, we're losing we're losing your audio. So. Um, Maybe, maybe you wanted to start repeating that. I didn't hear a word you just said. Nope, still not hearing you, Sheldon. Okay. All right, so I think I think uh, that's pretty much it. We're 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 pretty much out of time, Shell. Anyway, um, but I think Sheldon was talking about the Fort Street reunions okay. and uh, and how he went to them, but I never bothered. And I, and and uh, it was nice to see people. Uh, he was he, he felt it was nice to see people at these reunions. That's pretty much what you're saying, right, Sheldon? Shake your head because they can't hear you. Um, yep, that's pretty much what he was saying. <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't know what happened to Sheldon's audio, but uh, but he, but he kind of vanished, which which is pretty much our signal to get off the air. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me on this Super Bowl weekend, and uh, I hope to see you again. I will be back on Tuesday, on Tuesday with. Uh, Political Hitman at midnight on Tuesday. So Tuesday going into Wednesday at midnight. I'll be back with Political Hitman. Uh, who knows? I may be back a little before that, and maybe we'll do a little bit of a Howie Silberger show. You never know. It's it's always a surprise on Tuesdays. <laughs> Until uh, next week, Sheldon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, everybody who called in, everybody who's listening, and we will see you again uh, next week. Sheldon, could we hear you? I don't think so. Nope, nope. I hope you can hear me. Oh, wow. That was really off sync. All right. Thank you so much. And we will see you again next week. I'm Howie Silberger. He's Sheldon Freed. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network.